Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast, a curated series of interviews and discussions highlighting the three shields of orthopedic surgery at Mayo Clinic, clinical practice, research, and education. Welcome back to another episode of the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast. Today's going to be a really interesting episode, and I think it'll really um, give you some insight into what it means to be Mayo trained and come out of the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Residency. We've got a very interesting pair here today, brother and sister duo who completed the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Residency years ago. The first person I'd like to introduce is Molly Hartzler. She's the class of 2018, and she did a hip and knee arthroplasty fellowship at Ortho Carolinas in, in Charlotte. Welcome, Molly. Hi, thanks for having me. Also, her older brother, but lesser brother, Rob Hartzler, who actually graduated with me, class of 2013, graduated and did a shoulder and elbow fellowship with Mark Frankel in Florida. Thanks for joining, Rob. Hello. First, Molly, why don't let's start with you. Tell us about what your current practice setup looks like. So currently, I am at a hospital foundation-based practice. I'm with Dignity Health in Northern California. Dignity Health is a little bit like the Kaiser Foundation, so I'm not directly employed by the hospital. I'm employed by a foundation that is affiliated with the hospital that I operate at. I am exclusively doing hip and knee arthroplasty. Um, I went to a high need area, so I was able to have a focused practice right out of the gate, which was awesome. And I do um, primary hip and knee, but I also do a lot of complex revision, fracture work infection, stuff like that. Awesome. How about you, Rob? Where are you now and what's your current practice? I've been uh, in the same practice since I finished training in San Antonio, uh, TSAOG Orthopedics, um, which is a a straight private practice type of situation um, for me. And I also like at Real Dr. Hartzler um, have a very specialized practice, uh, which is 100% shoulder and elbow um, which is almost 100% shoulder. Um, so that uh, affords me the, uh, the luxury of doing a limited uh, anatomical scope, but a pretty deep practice in terms of the complexity. That's great. Yeah, really both uh, subspecialists and obviously each of you did a, a fellowship training after your residency. Um, Rob, can you go back in time? It's been a really long time for you and I both, but can you give us some insight into how or why you chose the Mayo Orthopedic Surgery Residency way back way back when, when you did? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of things, um, I just got lucky to be there really Um it's kind of embarrassing, but it was uh, my third choice in the residency match. And, um, you know, I feel really fortunate that, um, that it happened uh, that way. I, I thought that I was looking for something a little bit different, but thankfully I, you know, ended up at Mayo and uh, I'm really grateful to be there uh, to have, to have done the residency there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you want to get into any more embarrassing details about my failure in the match process, but those are, those are, uh, as Bob Ross says, happy accidents, right? That's a happy Absolutely. accident Absolutely. that you ended up there. Molly, obviously you were, um, I, I, as I remember it, you rotated there. Can you talk a little bit about uh, both why you chose Mayo and then what, what were some of your highlights from your time when you were at Mayo Clinic? Yeah. 
Um, well, I did rotate there um, as a sub-I when I was a fourth year medical student. Um, I had a really nice experience. I did trauma and joints um, with Dave Llewellyn. Um, I was already interested in doing joints, but being there made me even more interested in being at the Mayo Clinic. Um, I do remember thinking when I was there that I hadn't seen a primary for two weeks, and I wondered if they were done at the Mayo Clinic, um, which obviously they are, but that just kind of speaks to that kind of stuff that you end up seeing if you're in residency there. It's just kind of some crazy off the wall stuff comes through. Um, and I had actually done sort of an unofficial visitation as a, I think I was between my first and second year of uh, medical school as well, just kind of dipping my toe in the water, seeing what orthopedics was about. So I, um, I don't think that Mayo would have been on my radar, honestly, if it wasn't for Rob being there. So that was awesome for me. Um, I went to medical school in Texas and um, it just wasn't something that was really talked about at my um, medical school program. Um, in terms of the highlights, of course, um, being on OTS4 with the illustrious John Barlow was one of the <laughs> best parts of my residency experience. Um, having gone in, wanting to do joints in the first place, working with obviously some of the giants of the field um, in arthroplasty was really amazing. Um, seeing the scope of the problems that are out there, the ways that they can be treated, um, and just how different everybody's practices can be. Um, I had my first child when I was in residency there, which was awesome, um, very life-changing and very positive. And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with some of the guys in the arthroplasty department and write a paper that won an award. So that was pretty cool. It's probably my highest academic achievement while I was there. That's yeah, awesome. and oh, yeah, if I can ahead, go Rob. back to just one. So uh, similar to Dr. Hartzler, I would never have even considered applying to, to Mayo Clinic had it not been uh, for a personal influence, which was um, my mentor and friend, Dr. Stephen Burkhart, who um, I was in practice with uh, for a few years before he retired. Um, and he, I mean, I don't even think that I knew that the Mayo Clinic was in Minnesota, you know, prior to <laughs> ha having done most of my education um, in Texas. But you know, knowing the name and, and he really encouraged me even to just apply there, which I, I probably wouldn't have. And then um, I didn't do a rotation there. I just went, went and interviewed. But um, when you go there, you get really blown away, even if, even if you're just there for, you know, 24 hours for an interview, or I guess this year, it's going to be a virtual experience, probably getting, getting to see the place. Um, but, uh, but it is one of those things that you don't have to really be there for very long before you realize how special it is. Um, and I think for me, probably one thing was that I thought it might have been a little bit out of my reach um, as an applicant um, and, uh, and not sure, not being really sure coming from sort of a blue collar type of medical school ortho situation, um, whether I would fit in very well there. Yeah, that's a great point. And obviously, it's, there's a lot of different elements that come into how people choose their residency program between personal recommendations, and then uh, potentially they're doing an away rotation or a visit. And this year, uh, some of those factors have, have really been removed, which obviously makes it substantially more difficult for, for the applicants to find out. Um, where they fit and where the residency program is. And uh, as, a, as a program director, occasionally we hear people talking about, oh, they, they, they didn't think that 
uh, they were good enough or um, we I occasionally hear from program directors otherwise oh uh, this person's unlikely to come here because of geography or otherwise and it's interesting because the match process is built to optimize that so if we if we line up and we rank our um, applicants in order and applicants rank their programs in order the system is really built nicely to settle those things Rob looking back now Obviously, applicants are thinking about different factors that they view as important in a residency program. I think as I've uh, gone out and been in practice and now as a program director, some of the things that I think I valued as a medical student are potentially different than things that I really value now as I look back on residency. What advice would you give to applicants who are currently in the match process? Well, it's difficult because I think that you know, looking back, I had such a different view and being being involved a little bit with training of fellows now, it's the same situation where what you think that you need as a medical student or a resident or a fellow is really vastly different from what you actually need. And um, I think the most probably overrated feature of programs um, is early operative experience, which you get tons of operative experience as, as a resident at the Mayo Clinic. Um, probably, maybe I'll let Dr. Hartzler speak to that. Um, but uh, but that, I think that's the number one thing that I thought would be important to me, but which I think is, is not at all important now. And, and probably the most important thing, I think if I had to just say one thing, is to, um, to be in a mentorship type of situation with surgeons who are real masters of their craft both in the operating room and the clinic um, and that's what you get in spades at the in the Mayo Ortho residency. Yeah that's great. Uh, Molly any thoughts about what um, let's take it one step further what recommendations or advice we've got residents who are listening what advice would you give to residents and if you have other uh, topics or advice for um, for medical students as well but specifically yeah. residents thoughts about that. Well, I agree. Um, people who are interviewing for residency, they do harp on early operative experience. And there are a lot of programs that will talk about that. Um, I did plenty of operating as an intern in an early two, and then obviously it progressed from there. Um, but I would say, um, and this is kind of along the lines of what Rob was saying, don't discount the clinic experience. Um, I can't think of a single time in my practice where something happened intraoperatively that I didn't know what the next step was to do, you know, whether it was a complication, an intraoperative fracture, whatever. Um, that's kind of the easier part of being an orthopedic surgeon. You spend so much time watching and doing those techniques that it's second nature. But I've had plenty of clinic patients where they were a conundrum and I had to reach out to mentors and really kind of reach back into my experience in residency and fellowship to figure out what the right next step was. Um, you know, when you're in residency, you're very focused on operating because that's the funnest part of it. Um, but when you're looking at a patient who might need a revision or you're gonna, they're maybe sick, but they, you think they might need surgery, it's not an um, insignificant thing to indicate them for an operation. You wanna make sure that you're doing the right thing. And that knowledge really comes from being in the clinic, paying attention to what's going on, you know, obviously reading and studying, but there's a lot of nuance. And um, I think that one of the biggest benefits of the Mayo Clinic, not only the mentorship model, but the fact that you are in the clinic with your mentor for that rotation every other day. 
and you're watching them, helping them with the follow-up, you're helping with the complications, you're helping them diagnose and indicate for surgery. And I, that's one of the biggest values, I think, for being at Mayo. Um, you know, my fellowship, it was heavy, heavy operative experience, but I spent time in the clinic with those guys as much as I could for the same reason. And it's because you, you know when you're about to be on your own, you're not going to have those safety nets and those backups and those patients just showing up to the OR ready to go, trusting that somebody else already made the right decision for you. So if I had to give advice to residents, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to be in clinic as, as much as we did at Mayo, try to find that time. Um, even if it, you know, you want to be home or working on research or scrubbing into other cases or whatever, because it's a super important part of your education. Yeah, we talk a lot about the about the mentorship model, which has been sort of passed along in in generations. So rather than a team based model where you've got a junior, senior resident and intern and then you're scattered to cover different clinics or uh, OR coverage, this mentorship model really allows you to both uh, develop deep relationships with your faculty in in many cases, which is um, a big benefit. It allows you to actually get relation, develop relationships with your patients, which I find really important in my practice, certainly for sustainability and uh, the, the joy of the job that we get to do, which sometimes is long and in COVID is weird. So if we didn't have those relationships with patients, and I think Mayo Clinic always is, has been a patient-centric place, and you really get that uh, from very early on. Um, and then ultimately, I think then when you go to the operating room, the reps that you get are such high quality reps because you're essentially one on one with a faculty. So you're not the person who uh, makes the portal for the shoulder scope. You get to rise to your level of experience and rise to your level of knowledge and expertise with any given um, operation. So if you're rotating with Dr. Pagnano and you're doing total knees and you're a fellow, um, and you can successfully do it. He is not making dramatic distinctions. And if you're a third or fourth year resident, if you can successfully navigate through those steps um, efficiently. So I think uh, it's really interesting. And I think as we look back and uh, we talk with our old classmates, I think that is always the thing that people value the most and can't be overstated, especially because I would say some of the demands of residency are pulling away from a mentorship model to say, just go to the OR and get your case numbers and keep your hours down and things like that. So it's, it's an interesting push pull as a program director to try and maintain that mentorship model, which we, we sure think is critical. Rob, any thoughts? What, what do you, can you talk about what Mayo has meant for you in practice? How has it um, most shaped your practice? And then I'll give the same question to Molly. So two things. One is that, um, you know, I mentioned before that I'm in a private practice situation, but it's a, a private practice that values um, scholarly work and academic type of work. And, um, and we have a lot of trainees um, that are being influenced by the practice, as well as surgeon education and, and doing research and, and things like that. So um, having a love for that and having the ability to do that type of work in our, in our practice model has been, um, has been really great and really beneficial for me uh, in my career. And I never, I don't think that I would have um, had the experience to, to, to know how to be in that game if I hadn't been at Mayo. And then, so that's one aspect. And then 
another aspect is just knowing how to take care of complex patients um, and sort of developing a love for that. And, and so, um, you know, I tend to be the person in our group who gets referred internally complex shoulder cases. And then um, as a sort of a regional referral source for complex things. And um, so that, again, is one of those things that you learn in training at Mayo that um, really, I'm not sure if you, if you learn that so well as a resident anywhere else, um, just how to, how to take comp- care of complex people uh, and do it, do it well. Yeah, there's certainly a feeling at Mayo Clinic that you're at the end of the line and that um, a lot of patients come from a long distance to uh, be taken care of there. And as a resident, you, um, I think m- the vast majority of residents who graduate feel that way in their practices that, that um, and especially if you have the Mayo Clinic name in your CV somewhere, people are going to look to you for dealing with the really complicated or the um, confusing clinical dilemmas. And it's a, it's really a privilege to be able to, to, to be that person in each group and in, in each city and each region. Molly thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that I've taken, you know, with me through my fellowship and now to my practice is the philosophy of care, you know, the needs of the patient come first and it's, more than just lip service when you're at Mayo, there is a very holistic approach to the patient. Um, And part of that is facilitated by the way that the clinic is set up. Um, Everyone in the clinic, regardless of what specialty they're in, is very collaborative with other specialties. And you're able to get things done for the patient in ways that are quite amazing. It's not like that in the community where I'm at. You know, it's like it is probably most places where, you know, medical records are not easily available. Um, and you're kind of, you know, doing your best to get all the pieces of the puzzle that you can. But I think that the way that we learned how to take care of patients at the clinic has facilitated um, my ability to have relationships with physicians of other specialties in my community, um, you know, collaborating with them to take excellent care of patients who don't just have bad orthopedic problems, but they have other bad health problems and trying to safely solve all of their problems, you know, in collaboration with other physicians. Um, It's, you know, being at Mayo is immensely helpful in the name, which is, I think, something Rob was saying or alluding to. Um, You know, it it helps you, I think, get to the next step and then the next step um, because there is a quality that's associated with the Mayo name that people kind of trust. Um, and, you know, even being early in my practice, you know, patients, they look up where I had my education, they see that I trained at the Mayo Clinic, and they feel like they can trust that I'm going to take good care of them. That's awesome. It's really helpful when you, that's super helpful when you start practice um, and are early on to, you know, sort of have that pedigree. I mean, obviously, the training is is really excellent, but um, as Dr. Hartzler was saying, you know, patients are so informed nowadays and, and it's really been a beneficial to you from that standpoint when you start. Yeah. It's really interesting to me because OrthoCarolina is obviously a very um, <clears throat> prestigious fellowship for hip and knee, but nobody really knows what that means here in California and usually over the country. So having that, you know, the Mayo Clinic there, I, I think is the thing that sort of brings them in the door more than anything else. 
Yeah, the brand recognition for Mayo Clinic, obviously, is a, it's a global brand and we get the benefit of, of being trained there. But I think we also are responsible now for carrying that brand forward and representing that brand well. And um, as, we, as we all get together at academy meetings and otherwise, I think we all talk a lot about how we maintain, how we maintain that quality in each of our locations as we go. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, in our so I'm the third the third Mayo orthopedic surgeon in our group to um to come sort of down the pipeline and our founder John Hinchy um was trained there and then Stephen Burkhardt and and now me and it really, you know, you you feel the weight of that a little bit and a responsibility to carry that tradition of um, of excellent patient care and research and education and everything that you know comes with that level of training and that branding to where you go next and so I think um, you know we have a great responsibility and, and great opportunity to train there and then go out elsewhere and carry on those traditions and all of us have worked somewhere else. I try and talk to the residents some about this because it's a, it's a little bit hard to figure out what exactly is the secret sauce at Mayo. But one of the things that I think really uh, carries the day, at least as I see it, is this um, persistent desire for perfection or to approach perfection. And to some degree, a little bit of what I would consider to be self-criticism and being very, very tough on yourself. And I think... Um, I'd, I'd welcome your guys' comments, but my sense is that at Mayo Clinic, there are a lot of surgeons and occasionally the residents at some point in their fourth or fifth year say, why are we worrying so much about uh, three degrees of cup inclination here or about uh, whatever, um, whatever concern that they have of the day? And as you go out, it's one of the things that you, um, as you go out in different places, it's one of the things that you strive to find other people that are doing that with you because it's just, it just becomes a, becomes a defining part of you. And I think certainly from my perspective, it's what, it's what we should be doing for our patients. While it's a little bit challenging for us on a day-to-day basis, it just drives the best patient care that we can. Perfect is good enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Perfect is good enough. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Real, um, the Real Dr. Hartzler. And also thanks, Rob, for showing up um, as well. Any parting comments for the medical students? I think one of the little gems that came out of this is as the applicants worry and discern their rank list and try and figure out exactly where they should put it is uh, Rob, as he mentioned, slipped a little bit on his rank list and couldn't have been happier. I think it's one of the, one of the, one of the best things that happened to him, obviously, to be able to yes, meet, uh, me and, meet me and be able to be friends with me, uh, being the driving factor of that. But um, Helped me out too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parting thought is it's a humbling profession, so get ready to be humbled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is humbling. Any last-minute thoughts, Molly? No, I just wish all the applicants good luck. These are some really strange times for all of us, no matter where you are, what you're doing. And um, I guess you, my advice would be to try to trust the process and just make the best of wherever you end up because you can be an amazing surgeon no matter where you train or you can be a crappy surgeon no matter where you train. It's all about what you do. You can't be a crappy surgeon at Mayo Clinic. I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere but the Mayo <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks. Thanks you both for joining. Good luck, y'all. All right. Good night.